0: at loveisrael.org that's one word loveisrael.org now here's baruch with today's lesson
1: there are prophetic signs that we are approaching the last days and the scripture that we're going to be studying together in this lesson has great relevance for you and me as we approach those last days One of the things that we need to understand is that God is preparing a people that we are going to be found faithful. As the book of Revelation says, that the bride will indeed prepare herself in a way that the groom, and of course we're speaking about the great bridegroom, Messiah himself, that he is going to be pleased with his congregation, his bride. And one of the most important principles that we need to remember as we approach and enter into the last days is to depend upon him for all things. In the portion of scripture that we're going to be looking at, Messiah is sending out 70 individuals, two by two. Now, I realize that perhaps your Bible will say 72, and this is simply a disagreement between the Nestle Allen Greek New Testament, and the Texas Receptus. Most of you know that I prefer that Texas Receptus, and it's going to say 70, and the King James will also support that number. Other, more modern translations will say 72. We're not gonna deal with the differences and the implication for that number. We want to get to the heart of this passage. So with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to Luke's Gospel and chapter 10, the book of Luke and chapter 10. Now, Messiah has been teaching about being committed to the kingdom of God and demonstrating that with our actions, with our behavior. And this is so critical we're going to see as we approach the last days that more and more individuals are going to be pressured to agree with the world and have a worldly perspective. And all the governments, and we see this going on now, all the governments are going through a change where there is going to be greater consistency among these governments as that spirit of the Antichrist takes over this world. And therefore we need to depend upon god and demonstrate a complete a full commitment to him and how do we do that by obeying his word not simply looking at scripture for the big things but being faithful in the small things as well so look with me to verse 1 of chapter 10 where it says but after these things the lord appointed also 70 others and he sent them and here's what's important most bibles eliminate and ignore this next word it's the greek word ana what does that mean upwards so messiah and notice that he's called the lord here speaking about his absolute authority his power that he is sovereign so messiah also appoints 70 other individuals and he sends them forth but what's important and what the biblical texts in the original language emphasize is that he sends them up now why up well because up speaks about an upward call remember what paul says he says these words one thing i do forgetting those things which are behind him meaning those failures those sins why well if we have accepted the gospel all those things are behind us they are no longer remembered by god i love that part of the new covenant not only will he forgive all of our sins but he says i will remember them no more what good news and therefore He says, I press on, this is Paul speaking, to that upward call. And this is what we see here. This upward call has some implications to it. As God moves us up, we see things from a different perspective. Whose perspective? His perspective. So notice what it says. And he sent them upwards, two before his face. That means two by two into every city and every place where he was about to come. So they were preparing the way. And what we need to realize is this. We are called to prepare the way for when Messiah returns. Meaning this, we are called to get people ready for what God is about to do. And my question to you is this. Are you committed to such a a, a purpose, his purposes and not our purposes? So look again where he says, he sent them upward to before his face, meaning two by two into every city and place where he was about to go. Verse two, therefore, he said unto them, the harvest is much Now, some Bibles will say plentiful, that's fine. It's a word that speaks about abundance, about greatness. And this means this, the gospel brings about an abundant outcome. We can see that personally for the individual, but also there is going to be a great kingdom outcome through that gospel message. So he says here, the harvest is much, but The laborers or the workers are few. So what are we called to do? And I believe that we need to demonstrate a commitment to his instructions here. He tells us what to do right now. And this is true in the past and is true currently. Right now, those who are truly committed to kingdom purposes among the larger believing community are few. And therefore, he tells us what to do. Look on into the same text where he says, Therefore, you pray to the Lord of the harvest, that thus he will send forth workers into, and hear this, into his harvest. Now, why is that that pronoun there, his harvest? The word his tells us, that whoever is going to be part of this wonderful harvest, and by the way, it is a kingdom harvest, it tells us that they can only be part of that through him. They must have that relationship with him, and there's only one way to have that relationship and be part of that kingdom harvest, and that is through his gospel message. That good news that surrounded his birth where it proclaims peace and goodwill meeting the good purposes of God. You can only embrace that good purpose that God has for your life through faith in him. No one else can save. Not Muhammad, not uh, Confucius, not Buddha, no one else. It's only he is the Savior. He is the only one that has been anointed by god the father to redeem us to save us to deliver us from what's going to happen to this world and what is that god's wrath being poured upon it god's going to bring a destruction to this evil world and he's going to establish after his judgment his judgment is necessary this wonderful kingdom of god look now to verse 3 where he says behold And let's be very accurate, it says, You go away. Now, that's literally what it says. You go away. Why? It it teaches us about a change, a change in location. We're not supposed to stay in our comfort zones where we have become accustomed to, but rather we are to make changes. The Word of God and His instructions causes us to live differently. So he says, behold you go away. I have sent you as lambs in the midst of of wolves. Now, are these words true? Yes, they are. And we're going to see in the weeks to come that although this event is something that's happened in the past 2000 years ago, it has in time Implications meaning this in this passage. We learn principles and truths that are most relevant for The believers in the last days and what does he say? Well, it was true back then, but it's even going to become Increasingly true in the last days that we're going to be viewed as Lambs in the midst of wolves now in the natural a lamb is not stronger than a wolf. So he sends us out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Now, I would say to him, I I need help. I I need your assistance. And he's going to reveal to us how we find his assistance when we are the lambs and we find ourselves in the midst of wolves. What does he say? I send you as lambs in the midst of wolves. And here's the instructions. Look at verse 4 where he says, And do not carry a wallet that is a place to put money. That's literally what it is. Some Bibles probably translated better than me where it says a money bag. So he says, Do not carry a money bag or some other type of bag, nor sandals. Why? Why? Well, sandals, remember what it says in the Old Testament? How the sandals, and not just the sandals, their clothes did not wear out. Now, God provided for the children of Israel in that Midbar, in that desert, that wilderness, for those 40 years, he provided everything. And supernaturally, he caused them to endure, to persevere, to overcome Whatever they encountered and therefore he tells us you know money's not going to be your your savior do not take a extra bag for other possessions and do not take uh, sandals meaning multiple pairs of shoes he says you 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 don't need this but rather trust me and look at what he says at the end of verse 4 and no one along the way greet what does that show It shows that this is not for social reasons you're not doing it to make friends you're not doing it for any other reasons rather than you are on assignment what does he say I send you forth that word for being set forth is the word apostelo, where we get the word apostle from and it shows a commitment it shows one who has been sent from that's what's emphasized from from another from our Lord and Savior, from God Almighty. And therefore, when he says, greet no one along the way, he's telling us this is not for social reasons. This is not a, a pleasure trip. This is serious. That's what we should glean from greet no one along the way. This is of the most, utmost importance and seriousness. So he says, greet no one along the way verse five but into whatever house you enter first you say peace to this house verse six and if there is there and notice there's an emphasis on the word there what does that refer to that first house that you come into now he's saying here that he is going to lead us trust him depend upon him believe him that he's going to lead you into a place and whatever is the first house that you come into say to that house look at verse 6 if there is there a son of peace your peace place upon it meaning upon this house but if there is not then the implication is that same peace will return unto you now peace is synonymous here with a blessing but why is the word peace there because peace is related to the will of god so what he wants us to do is this to discern if there is someone who is a servant committed to the will of god the purposes of god if so bless them but if not he says if there's not someone who is a servant of the purpose of God committed to the will of God then your peace your blessing will come back onto you verse 7 but in it meaning in this house in this same house you remain eating and drinking the things from them why for worthy is the worker of his his wages and then he says in verse 8, do not go from house to house. So stay there in that house. Actually, in the verse 7, now verse 8. And into whatever city you shall come, if they should welcome you, eat the things that they set before you. Now, let's be careful because people will say, there it is. Just eat anything now think about the context these individuals that messiah was working with because he was in the galilee area they were preparing for his ministry going into the places he was about to go so these would have been for the most part jewish communities And therefore, it makes no sense to use this scripture, as some have tried to do, saying, there it is. He's telling us we can eat anything. The context is going to be those things that were eaten by the Jewish community. So this is not a scripture that should be used to say we can just eat anything we want. We should always be submissive to the instructions of God. And our faith in Messiah doesn't cause us to ignore his instructions or to ignore his word but to submit to his instructions so we need to use the scripture properly and not try to just justify what we want to do and what we want to believe so he says those who welcome you eat the things that they present before you verse 9 now In such a city where they are meeting your needs and they are are welcoming you, you are called to what? Your peace be upon it. Bless it. And notice what he says. Look carefully at verse 9. He says, and you heal the sick in it, meaning in that city. You heal the sick and you say to them, the kingdom of God has come near unto you now that is an invitation it's a proclamation which allows the people to know the character of that kingdom now what have we just read to heal the ones who are sick or weak in it now that word weak or sick it has to do with something that is not in order not proper And what he's teaching us, and I've said this many times, and that is that miracles are God's visual aids. Miracles are performed in order to instruct us, not just because there's needs. Now, he is indeed meeting needs, but there's a primary purpose. And that primary purpose is to learn something. The kingdom of God is coming, and the kingdom of God, don't expect it in this world, this is his ministry what he is inviting people into what does he say for the kingdom of god has come near unto you this restoration to the will of god is possible this is going to be the character of that kingdom the kingdom of god is perfectly going to reflect the order of god the will of god and what are some practical applications for us very simply That now, having been saved, my life is supposed to show and demonstrate to others to bear witness to God's order and God repairing my life. That I'm living in light of His will and His purposes. So this is what the scripture is commanding us. Look on to verse 10, but into a city that you come... And they do not welcome you what does he say go forth into the streets of of that city that place and you say the dust which clings unto us from your city we wipe off and hear this against you now what is this showing a separation a rejection because they have rejected these Who Messiah has sent now Messiah is going to reject them there is that wiping away that separation from these apostles and the people of those places that rejected them so you reject an apostle you reject the one who has sent him and what the scripture is going to share with us at the end of our time of study Is that there are going to be earthly consequences or excuse me eternal consequences for such a rejection I want to say that again there will be eternal consequences for rejecting those who Messiah has sent in order to do the kingdom work now look at verse 11 where it says and the dust that has clang unto you from your city we wipe off against you therefore know this that the kingdom of God has come near unto you what's he saying God has invited God has shared forth his words of invitation to the kingdom of God now this shows something and what does it show it shows that god's love his grace his invitation is broad and he says here he uses the subjunctive which means this there are some that's going to respond and there are some that's not going to respond and this shows possibility one of the uses of the subjunctive uh uh, mood is possibility and this shows that the invitation into the kingdom of god is possible do not believe the lies of some which says that the grace of god is irresistible meaning if god offers it then one has to receive it that's false nowhere in the bible do we see such a view of that being presented it is an errant teaching now we need to realize that god does not desire that anyone should perish but There are few that are going to find that that way why because many are going to reject and they reject it freely God desires them God provides for them just like the scripture says don't believe this false teaching about a limited atonement no there's no limited atonement the scripture says for God so loved the world the scripture says and I'm speaking about John in his first epistle where he says, you know, Messiah's death on the cross, that forgiveness of sins is not only for us, but meaning not only for the believers, the elect, but also for the world. So God's grace is broad. God's grace is inclusive, but one has to receive it by faith. And that is a personal decision. So we see here, this, this statement of separation for those who reject it. Look again at, at uh, verse, verse 11, at the end where it says, Therefore you know this, that the kingdom of God has come near unto you. Our last verse, verse 12. But I say to you, and hear this, I say to you that Sodom in that day, It will be more tolerable. What day is he referring to? That day of judgment. Now, isn't it interesting? Sodom, what a wicked place. But he's saying to these places in the Galilee that heard that he was about to go. And a good example to help us understand and to illustrate this point is that he spoke words of condemnation. He uses that word woe, meaning how awful something's going to be. And he says that to Chorazin and to Bethsaida and to Capernaum, which is Capernaum. Why? Because in those three places, and all of them are in the Galilee, it's relevant to what we're studying now, all of these places, they heard his teaching. And they saw the power that came from his word, these numerous miracles. And what happened? They did not respond. But to Sodom, they weren't given any of this. Now, are they going to be lost eternally, those in Sodom? Yes, they are. But he says something, a very important principle. Don't believe that the punishment, the location is the same for all those who reject the gospel. Ultimately, where will they be? they will be in that lake that burns with fire and brimstone but he says it will be more tolerable for Sodom it's going to be a horrible experience for eternity but it will be more tolerable than it was for those that are in the Galilee that witness firsthand his work saw his power saw the the numerous miracles that he did but yet They did not respond. Let me begin to wrap up this lesson by saying, don't be stubborn. You know, good things do not come to those who are stubborn, but those who are are kind and gracious and, and perceptive. Be perceptive when it comes to the will and the word of God. If you are not a believer, you have no hope. If you have not rejected the if you have not accepted the gospel of Messiah Yeshua that is Jesus Christ then you are without hope and you will not be in that kingdom and where will you be you will be in that lake that burns with fire and brimstone where there is fear where there is weeping and where there is eternal torment but you can change that right now all you have to do is say yes I am a sinner I have failed God I have done things that that the Word of God says I ought not do and I confess that and I trust in Messiah Yeshua Jesus Christ who went to that cross died there for the purpose of redeeming me what does that mean paying for all of my sin he received the punishment so I don't have to and I believe that he not only died upon that cross but That he was risen from the dead and because he was raised from the dead it shows victory I want that same victory I want that same life I want that same same experience to be part of the kingdom and I trust I put my faith in him not in myself when you do that you can be assured the word of God does not lie that you will be in the kingdom of God perhaps for you this day The kingdom of God has come upon you. Well, I'll close with that. Until next time, shalom from Israel.
0: Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org.